Hey, give yourselves a hand clap for waking up this morning and making it to church. And if it's your first time, we want to honor you. Hey, give our first-time guests some love and show them. We got someone raising the roof. Take us back to the, to the 90s. Here we go again. It's three weeks in a row. It's freezing in here. Y'all okay? All right. Good, good, good. Hey, today is Baptism Sunday, and... Um, yeah, um, it's Baptism Sunday, and um, I don't have your conventional baptism message. I think for the, the last 10 minutes or so, I'm going to work some baptism teaching in there, but I just want to, I want to, number one, I want to take a detour um, from our Chosen series. We've been working our way through the book of Ephesians the entire summer, and it's been great, but I just want to, can I just preach and teach a story? You know, all these theological truths, it gets heavy, man. Paul is heavy, you know. Um, but we're going we're gonna to journey with Paul in a story, and, and, and prayerfully I can inspire you. Hey, before we get started, though, um, I want to honor two individuals, um, two people I consider leaders in our church. Um, they've literally gone to the ends of the earth for this church, um, be it financially, be it um, physically, uh, going to other cities and picking up equipment, uh, last-minute things that we need. Um, they were superstars on Friday for our women's ministry we call Flourishing every first Friday of every month. Um, and if you know them, um, I want you to stand up. If you don't, you can or you can. It's totally up to you. I would be participatory in this because they, they help to really create this thing and make it work. I want to honor uh, Christopher Condro Giannis over here in the white shirt and Lance Uri. Come on, give them a hand clap. We love you guys. Yeah. All right, that's enough. That's better than Jesus. Um, yeah. This is good. This thing is anointed. It has something in it. I'm really trying to stall because I didn't practice my message. So, and I'm reading as I'm saying all this stuff. Okay, what's next? Um, no, Chris and Lance, um, you guys are awesome. And I love you. We love you. And uh, we're on the way. We're on the way. No worries. Thank you for all you do. So join me in Acts chapter 16. Uh, the book of Acts is about the Acts of the Apostles, uh, Jesus' ambassadors, um, post-ascension to heaven. Uh, Jesus commissioned his disciples to take the gospel all across the world, starting in Jerusalem. And uh, we're going to pick up a story here where Paul and Silas um, find themselves in a bind. So Acts chapter 16, verse 25, and it reads here, around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. It's crazy. The jailer woke up uh, to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. 
And it says here, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Now, theologians debate whether or not the kids or if children were involved in this faith decision. Um, I don't have a lot of time to dig into that this morning. Um, And some theologians believe that it was just the adults of this prison guard's household because they were of the age to make the decision of faith. Um, There's a reason why in Jewish culture, uh, by the age of 11 or 12, you celebrate or you graduate the oral and the written Torah. Um, At that point, you should conceptually understand your sin or the lack thereof. So as it concerns baptisms, some churches don't baptize kids under the age of 11 because of their maturity and their understanding of the truth of God's word. Uh, we, we do a case-by-case basis. So if your child is 9 or 10 or 8 and they fully understand the gospel of Jesus and they understand what this baptism decision is and it entails, we go ahead and take that step of faith and we baptize them. We celebrate with them. That's just a side note. Verse 33. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were baptized immediately. So baptism, um, and maybe we just don't know this. Baptism was, I give my heart to Christ and immediately I get baptized. I don't wait for a year. You don't have to wait for three years. Baptism is heart to Jesus. I'm in the water. We're moving forward. Okay, so immediately he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire family, uh, his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Give you a little context of what's going on here. Um, Paul and Silas, obviously, they're in prison and they're in the city of Philippi. And so um, they're in Philippi spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. And there's a woman who the Bible says has a spirit of divination, um, a a tainted spirit of of prophecy or discernment or what have you. And so they're going all across the city. Lives are being changed. People are dropping the alcohol bottle. They're getting out of the bed of fornication. Um, Families are being changed. I mean, they're doing some amazing work, but they have this woman who's possessed by a demon who's following them everywhere saying, these are the chosen of Jesus Christ. These are the anointed of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's making a big hoorah about the work that they're doing. And they're just trying to go on about their business. This is if you're having a coworker saying like, oh yeah, she's all that. Yeah, she does everything great. Yeah, she's the favorite. She's the boss's favorite. Oh yeah, he's the man. Oh, look at him. He, oh yeah, look at him do his work. That's kind of what she was doing. And so she had masters and she made her masters a lot of money through her perverted gift of prophecy. In a sense, uh, fortune-telling, psychics, and all that stuff. Don't ever, number one, don't ever allow anyone to read your palm. Don't allow anyone to look into your spirit that doesn't have the spirit of God. Um, that's demonic. I just want to make that known uh, out front there. So Paul gets annoyed 
the, the NLT says that he becomes exacerbated. <laughs> and so he finally turns around and he says, in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, I cast you out. And the spirit leaves. And so it starts an uproar all across the city of Philippi. The Roman authorities take Paul and Silas and they beat them um, severely and throw them into jail without a hearing. And so now they're in prison. They're doing the right thing and they end up in a prison. They're serving God and they end up in a tough spot. They're doing the Great Commission. My, my wife read it during worship. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're doing these things, and they end up in prison. You ever did the right thing, but you ended up in a tough spot anyway? You ever did the 21 days of fasting? You prayed, you studied, and you still failed the test? You ever did everything your parents asked you to do growing up? For the most part, you know, we all don't get it right, but for the most part, and you still feel this partition, this separation between you and your dad or you and your mom, and you tried to please them all your life growing up, and now as a result, you're, you're damaged by it. You ever did the right thing and ended up in a tough spot? Well, this is Paul and Silas. They're in a tough spot, but I love verse 25 because they start to worship and praise God in their tough spot. They start to worship and praise in the midst of their tough spot. They start to acknowledge and accredit God for his greatness, his saving power, his spirit, and all that he's done in their lives while they're in the midst of this tough spot. And in essence, what they're saying is, is that this tough spot is not going to be our final spot. This prison is not going to be where we stop. This limitation isn't going to be the place where we end up dead. And so Paul, Paul and Silas are determined to not allow the tough spot to be the place that they settle. I want to pull out three points uh, for the next few minutes here um, regarding this story. Number one, bondage is not yours. Bondage is not yours. And it says here around uh, midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and uh, all that good stuff happened. Um, when I was 11 years old, I was outside playing basketball. It was, I think it was spring, springtime. And my oldest brother, he storms through our front door outside. I mean, he is upset about something. And, you know, I stop playing and I go inside to, to see what's going on, um, like what's really happening. And my mom and my grandma are at our kitchen table crying. Um, my dad hasn't gotten off work yet, but um, I would come to find out that they just got news. We were renting a house and they had just gotten news that the owner of the house was not paying the mortgage. And we had less than 36 hours to move. And, um, yeah, we, we had less than 36 hours to move. And anyone who's ever dealt with a homeless situation, it's not cool. It's just, it's not cool. And so we moved out, and we ended up in a hotel room 
um, for about a week and a half. And uh, I had never seen my mother and father come together so strategically to determine what to do with the money, how to get this from over here, how to borrow from Paul, how to borrow from Peter, and we got to get this money in order to find an apartment. And they were very strategic on the financial end. Now, my grandmother, she was a believer, and uh, she took a different approach. She, like, she, she felt the other side of the circle of the situation. And so we were in the hotel room, and uh, she'd oftentimes wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and she would circle the parameter of the hotel, the entire hotel site, praying and worshiping God, just going around, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for our situation. We give you glory. We give you honor. And I was here praying in a foreign tongue, didn't know what it was. Now I know it's the gift of tongue. She would just pray, Lord, you're going to provide. You're going to feed us. You're going you're gonna to give us a home. You're going you're gonna to straighten out this situation. You're going to make it happen. And she did this for 10 days, 10 days. I saw her press into God on a brand new level in the midst of our hard spot. And it left an impression on my heart. Even though I didn't give my life to Jesus until I was 19, it was an occasion and a season that I'd never forget, even until this day. Because Grandma was determined to worship God in the hard spot, in the tough spot. She said, you know, this bondage is not ours. That addiction is not yours. That negative mindset is not yours. What that person did to you or said about you or what they labeled you, it's not yours. You can accept it, but it's not yours. That failure is not yours. This, the bondage in your marriage is not yours. What you do, men and women, at 2 a.m. in front of that computer, that bondage is not yours. And you don't have to be bound to it anymore. You don't have to be bound to it anymore because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. She was determined that this bondage is not ours. And Psalm 118 verse 5 says this. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. It's not yours. And, and what, so what we have to learn to do, so this is why worship on Sundays is so important. And I get it. You may not be here. We talked about this before, but if you can get them right here. If you can get them, just get them. Because in the Hebrew, this means I praise you for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what you will do in my life. And when you acknowledge God in that way, Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. It means that when we worship God as a church, he comes down. And he settles. And when God settles, he heals. He speaks. He performs miracles. You get a breakthrough. You get freedom. So you have to learn how to worship God in the midst of your tough situation. In the midst of your tough situation. That bondage isn't yours. And it's not God's plan for your life. I got to move quickly because we got some people to dump in the water. Point number two, freed people, free people. 
This may not be good English, but uh, it's good preaching. Freed people. I like mama over here. My amen corner. You know, every baptism, we get somebody in here that's just does it, does it the right way. So we thank you. We got baptisms every Sunday. And hey, if it's your first time, don't allow this to be your last. Free people, free people. Verse 27 says, the jailer woke up, so he was sleeping on the job, to see the prison doors open wide, wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. It takes time, but someone has to start going to church first. It takes time. Eventually, they come around, because sin will have its way in people's life and spit them out. And uh, when you have freedom... They, they're going to want and find that freedom through you. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do? Verse 32, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. I'm wondering in this time, um, because the prison guard wants to kill himself. So who's truly free in this story? And what we see here is two general conditions of life. And let me encourage you, especially those of you who have been holding on to Jesus for a while, and you, you, you want to see a change. You, you want to see something. And maybe you have seen, you know, experienced some victory. But I, I want to continue to encourage you in your walk. You got two conditions here. You have the spiritual condition and the physical condition. And now we understand that people get sick and viruses and infections and all that, but just hang with me in a general sense. So you got two conditions. Number one is the spiritual. So we're dealing with a prison guard who is free, who has everything. He's even sleep on the job right now. But all of a sudden, he wants to kill himself. And you have prisoners who are bound to fetters and chains and now they're free. Spiritual condition. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, he's bound and chained physically, but he has Jesus in his heart spiritually. He's more free. He's more free. And what we see is a maturation or a matriculation or a leading into physical freedom. Because Paul has the spirit aspect of his life in order. And he even termed this in Philippians 4.13. He said this. He said that, um, he said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So being in prison isn't a thing to Paul because he has everything that he needs on the inside and he knows that it's only a matter of time before this situation breaks in my favor. He has the spiritual condition first, and it matriculates into the physical. Now, this is the, this is the tough part for a lot of believers. We give our hearts to Jesus. We're on fire for two months, and nothing changes. We give our hearts to Jesus. We're on fire for a year, and nothing changes. 
we're praying, and we don't see those prayers answered. Could it be that God is working? Could it be that he's on his way? Could it be that you may be cutting the promise of God too short in your life and retracting back to the life that had you in bondage in the first place? Could it be the spiritual condition is as such? You grow on the inside and everything on the outside begins to come together. Now, when you have the physical condition first, when the physical condition is first, it leads, what this jailer, this prison guard shows us, it leads to spiritual bondage. And you find yourselves in situations where you want to eliminate yourself, your friends, the circumstance, and you just want to get away, you want to be in the bed, you want to be in darkness, you don't want any encouragement. Suicidal conditions are spiritual. Suicidal conditions are demonic, and that's where Satan wants us. He wants us to commit suicide on our dreams, on our visions, on our freedom, on our prosperity, on our fulfillment. This is what Satan wants, and and he does it through getting you to focus on the physical first. This ain't even in my notes, so this is anointed. When Jesus was in the wilderness, what did he do? He tempted him with the physical conditions first. He says, turn these stone into bread. He said, worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. He loves to get you with the physical first. He says, go and exercise. Go and get your body fit, but your spirit is fat. You have a diabetic spirit. You have a, high, a, a spirit with hypertension. Look good on the outside, but be dying in your soul. Oh, man. You got you to gotta twist it. You got to turn it. And so now he wants to kill himself. And, and, and Paul says, no, wait. No, wait. No, don't. Don't do it. In 1822, she was born in um, Maryland. I think it was Dorchester County, Maryland. And um, she ran a bit more up north, and she became a freed, a freed slave in 1849. She was 27 years old. She took three trips. Her first trip was to come back to get her sister uh, back here in Maryland and her, two, her sister's two kids got her back to freedom. Her second trip was to come and get her brother, got her brother to freedom. Her third trip, she came to get her mother and her father, got them to freedom. And over the period of 10 years, Harriet Tubman um, took 16 more trips down south, deeper down south. She said, bump Maryland, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go way down to Georgia. And so she would come back. Unfortunately, at the age of 13, um, her master knocked her over the head with a piece of metal, and it caused her to suffer narcolepsy. So during her journeys, which was dangerous, back to freedom, she would fall asleep during the day and uh, trying to get people through the um, Underground Railroad. This was amazing in my research. I heard that she carried a gun because at times when you're progressing in your freedom, as like the children of Israel, as they were leaving Egypt, Egypt means sin, and Moses was freeing them, as they were progressing towards freedom, she had some slaves with the slave mentality that, uh, hey, we're going to go back to our master. 
And what she would do, she would say, you either go with us to freedom or you die. Because you're going to die back there. They're going to beat you back there. But you either go with us to freedom, to fulfillment. You, you either remain a slave or you can become a doctor. You either remain a slave or you can become a lawyer. You either remain a slave or you can get happily married. You either remain a slave or you can be free. You either remain a slave and see all that God can do for you on this side of freedom. So you either go with us or you die. And so, and so she led over 400 slaves to freedom and she earned the nickname Moses. What did she do? She was a freed person who freed people. And that's the call of the church. When we have Jesus, we cannot lose track of our friends and our family and our coworkers and, and strangers and places that we go to coffee shops and we go to eat and that waiter and that barista and, and that librarian. We cannot forget that they are struggling and they are broken and they need Christ. And when we have the answer, when we're free, we ought to focus on their freedom and not focus on our struggle because they need you to focus on their freedom and not focus on your struggle. We need some Harriet Tubmans in this generation. Freed people, free people. Well, I'm lacking money. Good. Go and give everything you have to the person who has less than you and watch God return it tenfold in your life. Freed people, free people. They need you, church. They need you. And so I love Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 22. This was what he lived by. He says, when I am with those who are weak... I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. So he's in prison. He's free. This prisoner is weak. This was what Paul lived by. So, yeah, I can run free, but, man, you're about to kill yourself. I'm not going anywhere. You need to hear about this news, about this Savior who can make it all right. And he says this, yes, I, this is awesome. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can, not to save all, but to save some. I love our church's vision statement. It says, we exist to shine the light of the good news so that people may find true life in Jesus Christ. This is not a sorority. This is not a fraternity. It's not a country club. You go do all that there. Here at Highlight, you focus on your growth in Christ and those that need Jesus. We're not professional Christians. We love Christ. And we love people. Point number three. Jesus is our freedom. Jesus is our freedom. Even at that hour of the night, midnight, um, symbolically is, well, not symbolically, but it's the darkest part of the night between midnight and 3 a.m. The jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. 
Let me do a little teaching here. The word baptism is baptizo in the Greek. It means immersion. It means to go under. And so there are two forms of baptism. Real quick, you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When someone gives their heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is dispatched from heaven, goes under into the earth, into your heart. And so when you believe in Christ, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. At that point, you are saved. Heaven becomes your home when you pass away. Now, immediately after you get saved, the Bible encourages us to take the physical step of baptism, which is to get in the water. Um, baptism is symbolic of, number one, the old you who was laden in sin. When you go in the water, the old you dies. The new you is raised into new life, risen to new life in Christ. It's also a public declaration. This is why Jesus said in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's also a declaration that you identify with the teachings of Christ. Because back in Jesus' day, you had different rabbis that baptized people, and they would say, hey, I identify with the teachings of Rabbi Mark. And so what we're saying is when I go down and I come up, it's all about Jesus. Okay, so because some people will come to you. I think it's a verse in Mark 16. I think it's Mark. I was telling people yesterday it was Romans. It's Mark 16. Um, they say, uh, it says, believe in Jesus and be baptized, then you shall be saved. A lot of people think that that baptism is water baptism. That means the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, anytime someone tells you that, okay, you've believed in Jesus, but you haven't been water baptized, I don't know if you're saved, that is heretical and you need to run far away. You don't have to be water baptized in order to be saved and forgiven for your sins, okay? Um, but you, it is a step of obedience that you have to take. Anytime someone tells you it's Jesus and you have to dress a certain way or Jesus and you have to do A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, Jesus and, at that point, we've now stepped into legalism. And at that point, we're saying that we have to be saved by works. That is heretical. Jesus did all the work on the cross, and it's only through faith that you are saved. It's only by faith that you receive salvation. As Ephesians 2.8 teaches us that uh, we are not saved by works, lest anyone should boast, but we are saved by grace. The word grace means a free gift. You, earn, you got it without merit, um, by grace through faith. So my faith is in Jesus. I receive this gift. Let's move forward, okay? Just kind of wanted to teach through that a little bit there. Um, and so... You know, I remember, um, <laughs> and we're going to close this out here in five minutes. I remember my uh, sophomore year in college, uh, the fall semester had just started. And um, my best friend, who was my roommate, was coming home at the time. And uh, he was inviting me to Bible study. I'm like, I'm good. Like. I keep my Wheezy and my T.I. and my Jay-Z. I'm, I'm straight on the, on the Jesus stuff, man. I'm trying to take a break from that. Um, and, but I couldn't deny that he was changing. 
and he was changing for the better. And um, there would be mornings I would wake up to go to class. It would be 7.30, and his lights would be on, and I'd just go over to his room, knock on his door, and open it up, and he'd be reading his Bible. Like, that's awesome. You have a good day. And I'll just, I'll just leave. And um, then he, he started to fast and do all these weird things. Um, but like I said, I couldn't deny that he had more joy. He was free. And he found something that I knew I needed. And so one day I took him up on this offer to go to Bible study. And I went to the first one. And it was awesome. I mean, this, this dude was young. He was like 26, and I can relate to this guy. He's cool. And then I went to the second and the third Bible study, and um, he was talking about some heavy stuff, but I recognized that I was oppressed. Um, he was talking some heavy stuff, but I recognized I was oppressed, and I needed a Savior because what I saw when he was teaching that night in a six-person Bible study, I saw the trajectory of my life. And if I stayed on this path of oppression, I, I, I was going to end up like a lot of the guys and the gals in my family lineage. And something had to break that night. Something had to stop that night. And I, I, I knew that the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit was in on that teaching. And I said, well, tonight it's going to stop with me. So it was five. It was six of us in a prayer circle. And the pastor, well, the pastor. He looked and he said, does anyone want to give their hearts to Christ? I said, no, I'm good. And so we prayed. <laughs> we prayed and we broke out. And we were in, we were in our uh, Jones Hall and Florida A&M University's English Hall. It's awesome. Anyway, um, I came up to him afterwards. I said, hey, Pastor, um, I want to give my life to Jesus. He said, okay. All right. Awesome, man. So we went in and Back into the classroom, me and him, we prayed the sinner's prayer, prayer of salvation, all that good stuff. And I came out, and I saw Kevin, and I just hugged him. And I was crying like a baby. And I couldn't stop crying like a, oh a, a free, I'm saying, God, you know, I was just crying because I felt like every burden, every bit of condemnation, every bit of bondage, every addiction, every negative thought was just lifted off of my life. And I was just crying like a baby on the way to the parking lot. And dude, let me tell you, girl, let me tell you, I have not been the same since. And it was that day that leads to this day. And what I found out was that Jesus is our freedom. Faith in Jesus is the first and only step to heaven. And I found freedom in Jesus that day. And I was baptized with the Holy Spirit that day. Romans 6, 4 says this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, 
now we also may live new lives. Faith in Jesus is all you need to be saved. And it opens the door to spiritual, physical, and eternal freedom. But I, I came to, God laid this on my heart as I was studying. Baptism, water baptism is a public declaration of your commitment to freedom. Commitment to freedom, not perfection. You're not going to be perfect. That's why there's grace when we sin. That's why there's mercy and forgiveness and repentance. But it's a commitment to freedom. It's saying, I'm not going back. I'm moving forward. Every dream, every vision, every promise that God has for the rest of my life, that's what I'm stepping towards. And so, hey, we, we got a few people signed up for baptism today. Um, and that's awesome. We're going to celebrate with them. But this is also for those of you who God has been speaking to this morning and you've never been baptized. That can happen for you this morning. I mean, we got everything. We have men wear, women wear. Um, we got cameras. So if your family isn't here, I would text them real quick and say, girl, you got 30 minutes. Get here. I'm about to get baptized. I'm going to die and come back to life. You want to see a miracle? I'm about to die and come back. You need to text them right now. Just want to open up the floor. Today can be a day of freedom as we end the summer and head into the fall soon. Well, Pastor, what if I gave my heart to Christ five years ago and I've been living terribly? It doesn't matter. God loves you. You need to get in that water. You need to let God touch you and speak to you. Hey, I want to, those of you who are signed up to be baptized, you're going to do it together. It's not just one of you. I want you to stand up and come to the front. We just want to pray with you. It's okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's clap it up. Let's celebrate them. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Wow. Come on. Do it better. This is good. Yeah. Praise God. Now, um, if God has been speaking to you and you need to make this step of salvation, baptism, I believe the Spirit of God is here this morning. And I remember last time we did this, we had about four or five people walk up and it was a glorious occasion to celebrate. It was just a beautiful time. Don't wait. Don't wait until next Sunday or the Sunday after. Do it today. Commit to freedom. Commit to salvation. I'm going to pray. And at the end of my prayer, 
We're going to pray. And if that's you, while we're praying with our eyes closed, you walk up. And we want to baptize you today. We're going to pray. Let's, let's bow our heads, church. Father, I thank you for every individual at this altar. Lord, I ask that you would bless them. I ask that you would touch them, God. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for your power. God, thank you that you change lives. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your spirit in our hearts. Jesus, I bless these daughters and sons of yours. I ask that you would fill them, God, with peace and with joy. God, I pray that today that you would bless their commitment to freedom. God, that you would bless their faith, that you would touch them, God, that you would open doors that no man can shut, that today would be a new day. Lord, that today would be the day that they never look back on their old lives, but they move forward in everything that you have for them. Jesus, fill them with power, fill them with faith and expectation. Jesus, fill them with everything that they need.